Another Sunday, another loss, and it's only a matter of time for Scott Fitter, Frank Reich, and the rest of the staff as the Carolina Panthers now sit at 1-9. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and live with you here on YouTube following every Carolina Panthers game like I am right now. Subscribe or follow our show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Wednesday, throughout the rest of the regular season. I'll be answering your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council to get those questions into me now. Today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash Locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The Carolina Panthers 10, the Dallas Cowboys 33 as the Cowboys took over Bank of America Stadium. A surprise to none of us at all as Panther fans. Rightfully so, decided not to waste their Sunday here in Uptown Charlotte. A beautiful Sunday here throughout the Carolinas watching a football team that is headed nowhere in a coaching staff that is on borrowed time and likely a front office led by Scott Fitterer that will not be here come this time next year in 2024. It's all just so tired at this point in time. We've been doing this now for six straight years, watching a losing football team, and it feels like right now it's never been worse. And that should not have been the case, considering the Carolina Panthers got rid of Matt Rule, who all fans were tired of heading into last season. They brought in Steve Wilkes as the interim. There was actually hope. They decided not to retain Wilkes, but you could look at it. The team was 7-10. and 10. They went 6-6 six and six under Wilkes. All right. There's something clearly there. There is enough players potentially on this roster if you fill the holes to where in this division they can win. So you're bringing an experienced head coach in Frank Reich. You're bringing an experienced coaching staff, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You're able to convince Jero Averro, who's one of the young, bright, defensive minds and a future head coach in the NFL, to decide to come here as a D.C. after David Tepper decided to pass over him as the head coach. And then you make a bold move to bring in a franchise quarterback in Bryce Young. Typically, when it comes to roster building and hope establishment in the NFL, that's how you do it. Get an experienced head coach who's had success in the past, even though never won a division. But you could see, all right, maybe it wasn't just Frank Reich. Maybe it was the constant churn at quarterback there in Indianapolis. And what would things look like had Andrew Luck decided that he didn't want to not play football anymore? He was sick of being injured. And if Jim Irsay wasn't, well, Jim Irsay, maybe things would have looked better there in Indianapolis for Frank Reich. You could make the excuses that also were reasons to why he ended up failing there. And that maybe things would be better here in Carolina. We looked at, okay, well, Matt Rule, he had a lot of to say with the roster. Is it possible that Scott Fitter, it's not all on him and that he can bring in some good players to help out? But as we've seen so far, the only big-time signing, put that in quotes, there's not really any signing was big-time for the Carolina Panthers anyways, was Adam Thielen who has gone out there and played well. Everyone else, though, DJ Chark has not done anything for them. Hayden Hurst, Miles Sanders, actually was not bad today. They have not really helped the Carolina Panthers, and that has been a part of why the Carolina Panthers now sit 
at one and nine. But the one part that I did not expect to be a weakness for the Carolina Panthers this season was the offensive line. I went back this summer and I said to y'all that the offensive line was going to be a strength. It had gone from a massive weakness when you were starting John Miller, you were playing um, Matt Paradis when he was out there, you were playing Cam Irving, you were playing Pat Elfline. Those were your offensive linemen. Dennis Daly, you had turnstile after turnstile after turnstile on the O-line in 2021. But then last year, after Elfline went down with the hip injury and Bradley Bozeman came in as the starting center, you had him, you had Austin Corbett, you had Taylor Moten, Ikki Okwanu, who played well as a rookie there at left tackle. You had Brady Christensen. You had a unit that you were able to lean on in the final 12 weeks of the season and run the damn ball with effectiveness and to the point where you were right there on the cusp of winning the division. So after seeing that, that season-long sample size and a unit stay healthy, I felt like going to the year, that was going to be a strength for the Carolina Panthers. But boy, was I wrong. And boy, was Frank Reich and the rest of this organization wrong when they evaluated this offensive line because they have been atrocious. It is a train wreck at this point in time as the Panthers sit at one and nine and the offensive line has given up 39 sacks on the season, came into the day allowing 32 sacks on the season. Now, not every single one of them is on the offensive line. I understand that sacks are not always an offensive line stat can be on the quarterback, but we all know. That Icky has has, tr- has had his troubles. That the interior of the offensive line has gotten pushed back and has not played well. And that even Taylor Moten, as he still sits as the highest graded offensive lineman according to Pro Football Focus, mainly by default, that he has had his struggles. The O-line has not been good for the Panthers. And today was an encapsulation of everything we've seen from them when you go back to the fourth quarter. Bryce Young sacked on first down, sacked on second down, running for his life on third down. and then trying to juke a Cowboys defender, ball slips, fumble, Dallas ball. That is what we saw all afternoon long, and that's what we've seen all season long and what is a big reason why Bryce Young and his development has been stunted. If you look at the receiving options, we know they're not good. It's so bad that Mike Strawn, who was a UDFA out of, I don't even know what school he went to, but he was with Indianapolis and Frank Reich uh, a couple years ago. Now he got signed to the practice squad not too long ago here in Carolina. He's been sitting, waiting, getting an opportunity, got an opportunity last Thursday in Chicago, made a big play. He was out there with the starters as the Panthers went with 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends. It was him and Adam Thielen. Now, I don't think Strawn played that many snaps, but that shows you just where the Panthers are at when it comes to their offensive playmakers where it's Adam Thielen in a UDFA who effectively is the Panthers eighth wide receiver Terrace Marshall was a healthy scratch because they would rather play Strawn and LaVishka Shadol who came back off an ankle injury at missing the last three games they would rather have those guys out there than a second round pick from a couple years ago who asked to be traded not too long ago that's how bad it is so when I look at Bryce Young Threw another pick six. Obviously, that's not great. Did he miss some throws today? Absolutely. Did he make some throws today? Yes. He had yet another up and down performance and another performance that really was unconvincing of a number one overall pick. But when you look at the offensive line's inability to protect him and you look at the receiving options that he has, 
Again, what can you even expect out of him? Yes, he has not been good enough in his own right, but everything around him from the coaching staff to the front office to the owner on down to what's on the field with him has been terrible and is the reason why we're going to head into 2024 having no freaking clue at all whether Bryce Young was worthy of what the Panthers gave up for him. And if he actually is the answer here long term, that is a problem because the only thing that mattered this season, wins, loss, that obviously is important. You want to build off last season, be in the NFC South, title race, all of that. But really what mattered after you gave up what you gave up for Bryce Young was to come to the end of the season there at mid-January and feel good about the decision that you made with Bryce Young. But looking at the offensive line and the receivers, it's Hard for me to see how we're going to be able to make any sort of positive or negative determination about Bryce Young as a player, considering everything that is around him. And that is a massive problem. And Frank Reich was asked about, did you guys overvalue what you had on the offense line? He certainly said, about, at least today, that Dallas has one of the best pass rushing units in the NFL. And we knew that. We talked about that on Friday in the Keys to Victory and trying to protect Bryce Young, that it was going to be difficult stopping a guy like Micah Parsons, who had two and a half sacks. We knew it would be a challenge, but man, they have been bad. And injuries... That's a factor, especially when it comes to the interior. We talked to Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys, and he did say that Micah Parsons would be lined up uh, right there in front of the weakest part of that offensive line. That turned out to once again be Chandler Zavala. Just a head-scratching move. Why, if you're going to move on from Calvin Throckmorton, why you would play Zavala there when he was a negative for you early in the season? Yes, development's important, but Cade Mays was better in that spot. Why not give Cade Mays that opportunity instead of Zavala, who was proven time and time again that he's just not ready to perform at a high enough level right here in the NFL at left guard. So it's been difficult to have him there, Mays there, Throckmorton there, and also have all those guys at right guard and to not have any consistency. I talked about a couple years ago in 2021 while looking at how bad the offensive line was and how bad they would have been even had they stayed healthy. They had 13 different starting combinations in that 17-game season 2021. But even if they were healthy, Matt Paradis, Dennis Daly, John Miller, those guys, they weren't it. We knew that. Elfline, Irving, they weren't going to be good, but they would have been better. And I think the O-line probably would have been better this year had they been able to have Christensen for the rest of the the whole season because him going out after week one, that certainly has not helped things. Not having Corbett for the first six weeks and him still trying to get back into game shape, that has not helped things. Totally understand that, but that's just not enough an excuse for the performance of Bradley Bozeman who has regressed for the performance of Taylor Moten and, of course, Iki Iquanu. This unit as a whole has not been good enough. And the young guys that they tried to put in there and they felt like could help them out have not helped out at all. So until that gets fixed, along with all the other parts of the offense that are wrong, I just don't know how we're going to be able to evaluate Bryce Young. And that's possibly the worst part about what has been a brutal season to watch that we're just not going to know about Bryce and, man, That does suck. But one thing is very true and clear after this game. Frank Reich is cooked, man. And we can talk about the offensive performance, but really, to me, the lack of discipline is right there, up there with it. We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. It's only going to be a matter of days till David Tepper is going back over to LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. 
That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. And when you do, make sure to add the purple hashtag hiring frame to show uh, to your profile to show that you're you're ready to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. The poster job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, big shout out to the 100 of you live with me right now um, on YouTube at 522 on this Sunday evening as the Carolina Panthers fall to the Dallas Cowboys at home. It was basically AT&T Stadium uh, north as Bank of America Stadium is once again taken over by the opposing team and a recurring theme that we have seen over the last couple of years. And just wondering uh, when that will not be the case, when the Panthers fan base will want to go back into their stadium and where the Panthers fan base will be at once this team is able, if they ever are, I know they will eventually, uh, turn things around. And I think that's what's really tough about this too because there's people like me uh, who grew up in Charlotte grew up going to games had season tickets enjoyed watching the Panthers and yes there were going to be times when Dallas came to town when Pittsburgh came to town there would be takeovers but it was never like this man like it is just every single week the Vikings which I didn't think that was going to happen um, I mean it wouldn't be surprising like at the Bills because of how many Buffalo people live here in Charlotte uh, same thing with the Browns or Bengals like that would not be a shock because of the amount of Ohioans when it's the Vikings doing that it's not just like a legacy franchise like San Francisco last year, Dallas today, like that's when it's so concerning. But I don't blame people for spending their hard earned money and then having to go ahead and try and get it back by selling tickets to Cowboy fans because you could sold it at a massive price, uh, got a bunch of your PSL money back, at least money that you can use maybe for next year if you want to stick around. It's just tough to see. And Frank Reich was asked about it, and he is appreciative of you know the fan base and their frustrations, and he wants to turn around as well. And, of course, Owen wants to turn around more than him and the players, but the situation is the situation, and y'all are invested in it monetarily. So, of course, you have a right to be upset about the product that's being put on the field. And it's not a product that's worthy of your time and attention. So, again, I appreciate the 106 uh, people that are here right now while checking out the show because I know it's going to be difficult to sit here and to uh, – Think about your team being bad. Talk about your team being bad. Uh, but I appreciate all y'all sticking in there with me because this is obviously not something I want to do is sit here and talk about a bad football team. Um, it only makes it harder to keep doing this week in and week out because I'm really run out of things uh, to say to y'all. But I got to do a 30-minute show and I got to try and do my best uh, with it. So I don't know, man. It sucks. It really does. But with Frank Reich, he's cooked. And hate to say it, I, I really do because I, I wanted Frank Reich to have success. Obviously, I wanted Wilkes to be the head coach, but... I understood the, the Reich hire, felt like, all right, Reich in Indianapolis, all the things I talked about a few minutes ago, you could look at the reasons to why he didn't have success and maybe not completely place all those on Reich. But it is very true that things were trending down there in Indianapolis when he got fired. There's a reason why he got fired aside from, you know, Ursay deciding, hey, let's make a change. Uh, there's reasons that led to that. So he had a coach that went one and seven last year before he was fired and then and had issues a year before as far as the quarterback he brought in, Carson Wentz, and then not being able to close out that season and go to the playoffs when it looked like Indianapolis was in prime position to do so. 
You take that into account and then you compare it to what Steve Wilkes had done last year to really get the identity uh, for this offense and this team back to get fans invested, even though there's plenty of fans who didn't want to have Ron Rivera 2.0, as they called it. And, well, I think it might have been a little better than we've gotten so far here in Carolina. And Rivera's the best coach we ever had. I don't really know how that's a negative to have Ron Rivera 2.0, even though I think there were, of course, some things that we didn't love about Ron that you would like to not do again, like, you know, the conservative nature, Riverboat Ron. That's not really all that true. He only did it because he was one in three trying to save his job. Then he got the moniker, and you see now in Washington that he's not ultra-aggressive, and Steve Wilkes, of course, wasn't ultra-aggressive at all, but he also understood the team that he had, and his offense wasn't very good throwing the ball, so why kind of risk things like he did before the half against Atlanta uh, with P.J. Walker in that pick six? So I just look at all of this. like Frank Reich was trending down, and you were hoping that he could come in and fix things and that things would be better, and they have obviously not been as good as we hoped for. When you look at it, offensively, they were a little bit better today. I did appreciate the mix of run and pass and play action. They went under center more than they have all season long. They talk about, okay, Bryce is not that comfortable doing it. He's not going to get comfortable doing it if he doesn't have any experience doing it um, in a live game setting, which they did today. And they, you saw on one of the fourth downs of the three that they converted on that 17-play, 70-yard drive that took 8.58 of the clock in the third quarter. On that fourth and two, I believe, right after Dallas decided that they were going to, I think it was jump, it was, no, it was the uh, running to the kicker penalty, which I thought was the right call. The running to the kicker penalty, uh, Bryce was under center, went play action, hit Tommy Trimble for a first down. So Bryce was able to go into play action, go, in, go into play action under center and, and have some success uh, today. So... It was good to see them mix things up. Uh, they went up tempo. A lot of things they did at Alabama to kind of get Bryce uh, comfortable. That was good. But the offense still wasn't good enough, as we saw. Only 10 points. And the offensive performance, the decline in Bryce's – I don't even know if it's even a decline. He's just kind of – his growth is – it's not even going anywhere. He's just sitting there. I don't know if he's getting worse or it's just – don't know what to make of it. Well, you, don't, you can't feel good about where he's at right now, where the offense is at, obviously. So – if you're an offensive coach, you got Josh McCown around him. You brought in Jim Caldwell to do what I don't even know what he's doing. You got Parks Frazier here. You got all all these all this experience, and the offense is this bad. It's hard to make really an argument for your return if you're Frank Reich. And it's not just that; it's the lack of discipline defensively. Yeah, they have played better than you would expect from a defense that has missed the amount of guys that they missed. Jason Horn still didn't come back. He's now missed nine games. Shaq Thompson, of course, he's done for the season. We saw Marquise Haynes come back last week. He's now back on injury report, was out with a back injury, wondering if he's just going to go on season-ending IR, if he can't uh, be able to play back-back weeks with that back. So that's just that's a massive concern. Didn't really have him all season long. Justin Houston's on IR. We know Brian Burns missed time, but he's back. I mean, Derek Brown's been phenomenal for him. Troy Hill was out there having a hell of a game in the first half of five tackles uh, and three pass breakups. So they've played a lot better, especially as they've gotten healthier than you would have expected for a team that's been that banged up as far as that unit has been. But, man, the lack of discipline on defense uh, and across the board on the team. We've seen plenty of holding penalties. They lead the league in procedural penalties especially when it comes to false starts. Like, that's on coaching. But when you look in the first half with the Panthers gift the Cowboys first downs with penalties on second and 13, third and 19, third and 10, and third and 16, like, that directly results in the 10 Dallas Cowboy points. And that is discipline. You had Xavier Woods, and he's trying to make a play, but man, he had a face mask and a horse collar. I have never in my life seen a guy 
flagged for both a face mask and a horse collar tackle on the same play. Never have I seen that. Then when you look at Deshaun Williams, like what are you doing when he's pushing Devontae Turpin down when the play is over? You're getting off the field. Why do that? Just constantly that kind of boneheaded stuff happens week in and week out. And it's not, it's the false starts, it's the procedural penalty, it's all of that. And it has to fall on coaching. Yes, these are adults. Yes, these are professionals. They have to be smarter. But clearly the coaching staff is allowing it to happen because it's not changing. So that is another part of why you can't sit here and make an argument for Frank Reich to come back. I hate to say it, but it's just there's not an argument. It's inevitable. It's going to happen one day that Frank Reich, one day soon, that he will not be the head coach in Carolina. Eight penalties for 90 yards on Sunday. And a couple of those penalties helped Dallas score 10 points. You can't be this bad on offense and be this undisciplined because you have no chance at all. And that will be the end for Frank Reich here in Carolina. And there's really not much of an argument you can really make to keep him around because of all those things I just laid out for you. Now, on Fridays, we talk about the keys to victory. Well, you know, didn't work out again. We'll go over some of the things that led to the Panthers' loss to Dallas and wonder if uh, this will be a repeat of last year. You saw San Francisco take over the stadium. Panthers 1-4. and four. Matt Rule was not employed on Monday. We saw the Cowboys take over the stadium today. The Panthers now 1-9. Will Frank Reich be employed tomorrow? We'll talk about it here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Whenever the game clock stops, that's time to order in with DoorDash. Order pizza, wings, soda, burgers, or even just buns on DoorDash and get it all delivered without missing the game. Score football season's best deals on groceries, restaurants, retail, and more. All of your favorite restaurants and stores from retail to grocery are on the app so you can shop everything you need to get game day ready. One of my favorites is Hawthorne's Pizza here in Elizabeth. Was down there the other day waiting for my pizza, and there's a bunch of DoorDashers coming in and out, so it's a perfect place if you ever want to get a pizza, get some wings, uh, get whatever you want for game day, go to Hawthorne's and any other Charlotte area places or wherever you are and use the DoorDash app, stack up on your favorite appetizers and order all your tailgate gear on DoorDash, then get ready to watch your team um, win, but you know, that's not going to happen. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. Subject to change, terms apply. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. Subject to change, terms apply. Let's go ahead and review the keys to victory um, from Friday and see how the Panthers did. As we know, did not do great. The first one was do whatever makes Bryce Young comfortable. And as I mentioned, they did uh, do some up-tempo stuff, which was good to do, especially uh, in the one that you saw how difficult it was for them to block Micah Parsons. Not a surprise at all to anyone who has watched the Panthers offensive line try to protect Bryce Young and uh, emphasis on try. They have not done a great job at that at all. There was a time there in the first half where the Panthers were able to get up tempo, keep Micah Parsons off the field. That's part of why you do that. So that was positive to see them try to get Bryce comfortable doing that. Went under center for more than they've done all season long. And that's been really a gripe from a lot of people about the Panthers' offense, aside from, like, what is their identity, it's that they are way too predictable. When you're in shotgun all the time, there's only so many things you can do. When you go under center, you mix things up, you keep the defense guessing. They were able to do that, and they were able to have some success, especially on that 17-play, 70-yard, 858 
drive there in the third quarter. And Greg Olson said on the Fox broadcast, like, that is what this Panther team needs to be. A mix of run and pass, some play action, going under center, being the gun. That's what they need to do. That was the longest drive of the season. Now they needed three fourth down conversions. And that's the positive is, okay, they were able to convert. They were able to get down the field, score a touchdown. The negative is... It takes all of that just for this team to score. That's how difficult it is for this Panthers offense to score points, and that is an issue. And it feels like most of the drives they've had this season had to be long marches down the field. It's never explosive plays, and at the NFL level, with that much talent on defense throughout the league, you just cannot have any sort of consistent offensive success if all your drives are having to be 10, 12, 13, 14, 17 plus yard drives in order for you to get six. That is a problem for the Panthers. But they were able to do some things, make Bryce more comfortable. They ran the ball effectively, especially in the first half. They have gone to a more of a zone running scheme this year, and this offensive line has not done a great job at blocking that. They got back to what they were good at last year, and there's another gripe with the play calling and the offensive scheme. They look at what these guys did last season, and they did not cater the offense to their strength. The strength of this offensive line is downhill blocking. It's not zone scheme blocking. It's a downhill physical attack right at right at the point of attack going downhill. They did, it on, did that in the first half. Um, they had... 85 yards rushing in the first half, 6.1 yards per carry. Didn't really feel like they tried to run the ball at all in the second half. The one time I remember in the first half they went to a zone running scheme play, and Greg Olson pointed this out, they lost four yards. So they were doing something that was successful, then they went back to what they actually want to do, and we saw that did not work. And if that's going to be the case, uh, either stick to what they're good at or go find guys that can block what you want to run, but it won't matter because this will not be the same offensive coaching staff next year in Carolina. Uh, number two, don't get Bryce Young killed. Well, Bryce is alive. And Frank Reich did say um, when he was asked about, do you worry about Bryce's health? He's like, actually, it's a positive. One of the concerns about Bryce was his size and his ability to hold up. And so far, he's been sacked 39 times and he's still up. Now, there's still seven weeks to go, Frank. And eventually, if you take that many hits, no matter how big or small you are, you're going to get beat up. You're going to, you're going to break. And my hope is that's not what happens. Cause that would be the worst scenario for Bryce Young to have a season ending injury, spend the entire of the off season, having to rehab and not being able to get up to speed with the new offense. that will be running with the new coaching staff. That he's going to have the new weapons. He should have next year. And we're sitting here, in July, potentially talking about him being on pup or is he going to be ready to go? Like, that's not a conversation that we can afford to have here in Carolina is Bryce Young rehabbing throughout the offseason. So, yeah, it's a concern. It's a good thing that he's holding up. The guy never had any injuries in college aside from the one time he fell wrong on his arm when he wasn't even hit. That was just on him. So, he, at least he's been able to prove those doubters wrong. But eventually, doubters, even though they wouldn't really be right because it's football, like, ish happens. It's some guy, some 300 pound guy falls in your leg the wrong way. It's going to, you're going to get injured. Whether you're an offensive lineman, a quarterback running, it's going to be bad for you. So that's just the nature of the football game. But of course, there's people out there just waiting to go to, out to the streets to say, I told you so. He couldn't hold up. So far, he has. But the offensive line was terrible. They, they cut Calvin Throckmorton so that they could give guys like Chandler Zavala an opportunity. Zavala was not good when he was in the starting lineup. Uh, the start of the season, whether it was at right guard or at left guard. He had that neck injury in Detroit. Thank God he was okay. He was horrible for them. Not good at all. I mean, he's a third-day third pick, and you hope to get something out of, out of day three picks. It's a good thing in a way that, okay, day three pick, he's been able to start, 
But when you look at how he's performed, and it's been out of necessity with Corbett being out, Christensen out for the season, he had to play. He was not good. I would have thought that Cade Mays, who was better and has been better when he's gotten opportunities, should have been in there at left guard. We'll see if they make any sort of changes there. But the entire the interior of the offensive line all season long, whether Corbett's been in there, whether Christensen's been in there, Bozeman's been the one constant. It's been a complete train wreck. Panthers have now allowed 39 sacks in the season. Uh, Micah Parsons came in ranked first among edge players uh, in ESPN's pass rush win rate. He had two and a half sacks today. Uh, the, the Dallas is number one in pass rush win rate, and the Panthers were 19th in pass block win rate, and they struggled. Seven sacks, not all on the offensive line. As mentioned before, it's not just an offensive line sack. It could be a quarterback stat as well. But, man, Bryce Young had no no chance at all, and that is a problem. And number three was defense needs to force turnovers, and that did not happen as we saw. Dak Prescott was cooking, and they played well defensively. just made some costly mistakes as far as the penalties that they gave up. So that's where we are. Frank Reich, it's only a matter of time. It's going to happen. I'm not going to take any joy in it. It's it was a good story. Now the real better story was the actual hometown kid and Frank Reich or Steve Wilkes rather taking over the job. And staying here. But, yeah, it was it was a good story in a way. Frank Reich, first ever quarterback here, bringing Dom Capers. There was plenty of feel-good things you could sell in the offseason. But that's all offseason stuff. Once you get to the season, the only thing that people care about is actually winning. And this team has not won. His offense that he's developed has been terrible. The quarterback he's supposed to be developing is regressing. And he's not doing anything to help the situation. Uh, he took over play calling in just some weird way. It's just been all embarrassing. And people don't want to go up to the stadium. And we looked at last year with San Francisco looking at where the Panthers offense was and what Matt Rule had failed to do so far and just the overall construction of the roster and that, a lot of that was on Rule of course David Tepper said enough is enough you look at Sunday Cowboy fans everywhere not a surprise to anybody I got one of the listeners sent me a video of being surrounded by Cowboy fans and the fact that they had to practice silent count and Bryce is like oh well you know we do it half the time anyway so it's not that big of a deal but it, it is it is a big deal they have to do that at home like that's stuff the Chargers have to do because the Chargers abandoned San Diego where their fans actually were they moved to LA a town that couldn't get a, a rip about your NFL team so they have to go silent count because they never play a true home game and at this point in time the Panthers in a transplant city where there's going to be kids here who should be Panther fans, but they're going to be this bad? Are, there, are, are their parents going to spend their money to take them to the game to go see the Panthers? Are they, are, are, is this generation right now with six straight losing seasons, are they going to want to be Panther fans? Or are they going to be like, you know what, let's just be fans of whatever town their parents came from instead of being fans of the hometown team? Like That's things that I, I, do, I think about, whether like the children growing up in Charlotte today will ever be Panther fans because the team is this bad. And that's one of the things that I wonder David Tepper even takes into account at all. Now, maybe he doesn't. Like I, I, if y'all don't sit up to the stadium, uh, the opposing team's going to show up. They're making all this money. The owners are based off of the TV contract. It doesn't really matter whether you're in there buying beers and hot dogs and going to the game at all. David Tepper's a made man regardless. So I do wonder if he actually cares. He seems to be a guy that does care. He just keeps making horrible decisions. And him caring too much might be the biggest issue the Panthers have. So I am wondering. You looked at last year against San Francisco. Today was basically the same result. Opposing team taking over the stadium, legacy franchise brand, and your team is just not even competitive. Now, frankly, oh, we were competitive for three quarters, but that's not the name of the game, man. You're trying to win. Like This isn't some Sunbelt team going up against Alabama, dude. This is the NFL. You, you, there's no moral victories. So 
I wonder if uh, that will be the that for Frank Reich. It will come soon enough, and for Scott Fitter too, I suppose, because if you're going to get rid of the head coach, you probably got to get rid of the guy who's uh, handling personnel, and that would mean a lot, a lot of changes in the scouting department. Um, probably necessary changes, a lot of changes with the scouting department, the rest of the front office, Dan Morgan, Samir Suleiman, like where do they factor into all this? Because they've also been a part of this collaborative process that has led to a one and nine start so far here in Carolina. We'll see. We will see. But thank you to the 174 of you that are here live now and all the folks that have come in and out uh, for the show today. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council. Where on Wednesday, I'll be back to answer your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions. I'll be back to do that throughout the rest of the regular season on Wednesdays. So hit me up on Twitter right now. Uh, But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. And as always, (sighs) got to do it more now than never. Keep pounding. And I'll talk to you all on Tuesday.